You're gonna need a bigger boat. What a day! What a lovely day! I'm having an old friend for dinner. You are a toy! She wouldn't even have a fly. You can't handle the truth! I'll be back. English motherfucker, do you speak it? Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. And welcome back once again to another episode of Cinematic Blind Spots. I'm Adam. And I'm Josh. And it's the first movie review of February, the month of love, quote unquote. Romance. Romance. Overpriced greeting cards and bad flowers and bad chocolate. Although I am kind of pissed that Nico, or Neko or Nico, whatever it is, they stopped making those little candy hearts. Those are my favorite Valentine's Day candy. All the time and they stopped making them well first they changed the formula to something shitty and then they stopped making them oh, then they went out yeah. of business anyway change the formula speaking of things that leave a bad taste in your mouth we are talking <laughs> jeez okay oh that sets up how you feel dude the look that you gave me when you were like yeah i watched that movie you told me about the look that you gave me was just like what have you done <laughs> we are talking about a movie a, this isn't even a romantic comedy. It's just like a straight-up romance novel Yes. from 1995. The one redeeming factor, I think, of this film... Well, maybe two redeeming. There's a few redeeming factors. Well, you got a couple. You got a couple. This was the first movie I ever saw Keanu Reeves in. Definitely not me. I think it, it was either Bram Stoker's Dracula or Speed. I really? Can't remember. Yeah, it was one of those two. Okay. I can definitely say... I thought you were going to say Bill and Ted. No, I didn't see Bill and Ted early on. Okay. No. Well, Speed was awesome. Bram yeah, Stoker's no. Dracula was pretty bad, I think. Uh, my personal take. Anyways, we are talking about A Walk in the Clouds. <laughs> now, when you hear films that start with A Walk, your brain probably automatically finishes it with To Remember. You yes. know that famous... Well, who was that? Was that uh, Nicholas Moore. Sparks? Was that oh, a yeah, Nicholas Ma- Sparks? Nicholas yeah. Sparks book. Yes, yeah. That so, turned into a movie. But this is A Walk in the Clouds <clears throat> with a Rotten Tomato critic score of 44%. And an audience score of 75%. So some people really like this movie. This was directed by Alfonso Arau? I'm not sure. R-A-A-U? Yes. A-R-A-U, sorry. Um, Starring Keanu Reeves, Antonio... I'm sorry, Aitana Sanchez-Guion? You're probably right. Probably right. Anthony Quinn and Giancarlo Giannini. Probably the only other actor in this film besides Keanu Reeves that I have seen in anything. Well, no, I've seen Anthony Quinn in some old stuff. And I, I, I've seen Deborah Messing. You didn't mention her because she's not a big role, but his... Oh, right, right, right. His his estranged yes, his... person. This movie, I could not find a budget anywhere. I did find one, What, what was the budget? I found a budget of $20 million Okay. And that it grossed $50 million. That's what I found for okay. the domestic... It said domestic gross $50 million. And I looked it up just to see, and it looks like it never got an international release. Really? Yeah. So, I don't even remember. I think my, my dad, my mom and dad got this on VHS a long time ago. They probably still have it on VHS. And we're like, hey, let's watch this movie. Because, you know, it's got a guy from World War II. And my dad loves World War II stuff. And that is probably my favorite part of this movie is the setting. You okay. know, it's set in 1945. And it looks very believable. You know, all the old cars and all the old fashion. Right. And, you know, some there is some beautiful scenery in this movie. But some of it, I, I look at it and go... That looks almost like someone walking in front of a painting. <laughs> or maybe it's a green screen with a painting superimposed onto it. I don't yes, know. Maybe so. Because this movie, uh, 
on, I, I watched it on DirecTV, and the synopsis did not mention the war veteran part. It just said a chocolate salesman. Oh, okay. And I didn't I didn't even read past that. I said, okay, he plays a chocolate salesman. Okay. <laughs> and I just thought this movie was like, walk in the clouds. Let me think. What could you have possibly thought that's, that, that title meant? <clears throat> I thought it meant that he was going to lose his wife. Uh, go into like a sad state, somehow find like religion of some sort, uh-huh. and let and be able to get over his grief and be able to love again. And huh. I was wrong. Ye- well, partially. Well, uh, yeah. But. <laughs> you see, I never even do that when I hear the title of a movie because most of the time I've I've like looked it up to see what it's already about. But like just think because like you asked me on the Nothing But Trouble review, like what did I think the movie was going to be about just with that title? I was like, I don't, I need to do that more often. Like before I look up a synopsis or anything, just think of what a movie title means. Like knocked up. What does that mean? What does knocked up? (laughs) (laughs) So this movie has kind of a jarring opening credit sequence. Because at first it's just a bunch of like blurry footage of grapes. Yes. A lot of really blurry shots. of romantic music. Yes. And then it's even got like the really wispy calligraphy font on the opening credits. And then we suddenly cut to a black and white footage. I'm guessing this is like stock footage. It looks like, yes, it does. Of battleships returning home from World War II. And then it makes an obvious cut to not stock footage, just black and white footage. And this it, this one's kind of neat because it goes from black and white and slowly fades like, as into color. walking down, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that actually was a pretty cool shot. We see Keanu Reeves. Paul. Paul. And some other soldier. Coming down the gangplank of this ship. And yes, it does fade the color as they yeah. get down, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. And this other guy's saying, oh, when was the last time you saw her? And Keanu, and Paul says, it's, uh, it was on our wedding day. Been gone four, four years. years. Yeah. He's like, let me guess. It's one of those met her on Friday, married her on Sunday, shipped out on Monday. Yep. And he's like, pretty much. <laughs> yep. And we get kind of a little, oh, sad moment because all these soldiers are coming down to meet their girls and their wives and at least Paul, some sort of family at least some sort of family and Paul is the only one left there by himself she's not there and now i had to make a note here it stopped raining really quickly cuz it was raining in this scene and then in the very next shot it's not raining like the like the ground is still wet right. but it's sunshiny well i mean it could happen and as you saw everybody was getting their family so he was there a long time he probably was so i guess yeah, because maybe. of that i didn't think so too much of it he he is walking home to his apartment and as he gets there he he has a he has a like a, a, a locket or something with his wife's picture and a key inside yeah, so cause as soon as i saw that i was like deborah messing's in this <laughs> oh okay so as he's going up to his door he hears a man's voice coming from inside and you're immediately like oh shit what's happening here what could possibly be happening and he goes inside and his wife is sitting there deborah messing is sitting there in her 1940s underwear. In her 1940s underwear. <laughs> taking, like, lessons on speaking properly, on proper speech. Yeah, like, I didn't, is that a thing back I, then? Because oh, those would be on records. Yeah, like, well, I'm, I'm guessing since there has been, like, recorded audio medium that yeah, people have, right. have thought we can we can capitalize on this. And, like, nowadays it's buy my MP3s and stuff like that. Right. Um, so his wife is obviously shocked to see him. She's like, I didn't know you were coming back. And he says... I wrote to you every day. 
She didn't know I was coming back. I wrote to her every day. And she has this suitcase, not even a suitcase. It's like a, a footlocker full of all of his letters. And none of them have been opened. Well, she says she read a few, but oh, yeah. they were too depressing. So right. she, she kept them that way. She knew he was alive as long as they kept coming. Uh-huh. That's how she put it. Right. So, they, and, and she immediately gets to talking about him going back to work. As a chocolate salesman. As a chocolate salesman. She made sure that his old boss held his job for him and quote-unquote negotiated a raise. I wonder what that means. Right. She's like, I even negotiated a raise yeah. for you. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, did someone's fly stay zipped up while you were doing that? <laughs> now, he doesn't want to go back to selling chocolate. I mean, I can imagine coming home from a war zone. This guy was in the Pacific, which was a brutal... Like, way more, way worse than anything that I think happened in Europe during World War II. The Pacific Theater was horrific. So, could you imagine coming home from something like that and then having to worry about selling chocolate to people? Yeah, it's not where my mind would be at. I'd have been like, oh, jeez. Now, Paul wants to take some time to decide what to do next, but his wife is not hearing any of that. She says, time is money, and she wants things. She has been without for too long, which... <laughs> Immediately, I, I mean, I already don't like this woman, but I like her even less now. <laughs> now we see Paul is on a train in his, in his army uniform. He sees a young woman struggling with her suitcase. Then she drops it, and it falls open, and a picture falls out. A picture in a frame, a picture of an older man and woman. And she just looks at the picture and says, he's going to kill me. Yes. And then their tickets get mixed up. Then she pukes on Paul. Just bleh, right there. So after washing up, Paul sets down and falls asleep and is almost immediately having a dream about the war. He was yep. fighting in the Pacific. In his dream, there's an orphanage on this beach and the, the remains of this orphanage. And it says, you know, it says Illinois State Orphanage. So you're immediately kind of like, oh, that's, that's probably one of the more interesting parts of the film for me is these dream sequences because there's a few of them. Yes. Um, and he wakes up and the woman from earlier is no longer seated behind him. Now he gets off the train and is running to catch a bus. Yes. And the woman from earlier is on the bus. And somehow she, when she got his ticket and he got her ticket, he had to get off early because his ticket, his ticket was supposed to take him to like Sacramento. Sacramento. That was yes. it. And we find she is working on her master's degree and she is going home to Napa to her family's vineyard. Now, I guess a, a good movie to pair with this, not to make a wine joke... But a movie to pair with this would be one called Bottle Shock. It was from like 20, 2009, 2010, I think. Um, it was about the rise of the Napa Valley wine industry. Ooh, okay. Really, it had Alan Rickman. Um, I, I, don't, I don't remember hearing about this movie. It wasn't, it wasn't a very wide release, I don't think. But it had Chris Pine, um, Alan Rickman, and who else? Um, Bill Pullman, I think. Probably. Um, yeah, but, you know, interesting movie about... That. So so that, that, that movie took place in the 70s. Like, before then, like, the, the Napa Valley wine country was kind of an unknown, so that leads me to question some of the historic validity of this, of this oh, film. okay, okay. Because this is in 1945, and her family owns this massive vineyard that has been there for generations, or they've been making wine for generations. Yes. So the, now... The bus stops to pick up a couple of guys, and they yeah. immediately start hitting on this girl. Has she introduced herself yet? I don't think I she don't has. I don't think she has. Okay. But here, I, yeah, I put two douchebags on the bus. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Immediately, like, and, and, you know, she's like, please leave me alone. He's like, I used to have a girlfriend who'd say that, or something like that. Yeah. Just really 
you know, would not that kind of dialogue would not fly nowadays in movies, I don't think. Um, now, Paul asks them to leave her alone. One of them takes a swing at Paul, and he fights back. And they, all three of them get thrown oh, off the bus. bus. Yeah. I'm like, come on, the bus driver could have seen what was happening and could have not thrown him off the bus, you know, just yeah. realize what he was doing. But no, all three of them get thrown off the bus. So he gets to walk in and later finds the same lady from the bus sitting on the side of the road with all of her bags crying. This is where we find out her name is Victoria. And again, she says her father is going to kill her because she is pregnant. She got knocked up by her professor. Knocked up, hint to coming coming episode. <laughs> <laughs> she is wearing a crucifix so we can guess she's Catholic. And her fa- she said her, her father has said he will kill anyone who dishonors his family. He's very old-fashioned. So what does Paul decide to do? Oh, what would anyone, I what guess, would anyone do in this situation besides going, well, good luck with that, and walking on? He says, I will pose as your husband. I'll stay there then, for a day, get up the next morning, leave a note, and I'll leave. Yes. And so I'm like, what? <laughs> who would do this? <laughs> who would think this was a good idea? Okay. Yes, I'm going to pose as your husband for eight hours and then abandon you the next day to save you some face. <laughs> so they decide to go along with it. And he's talking about what the war was like, writing letters to his wife, and, and Victoria says, she must have cherished every word. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, every word. Uh-huh. So we finally get a glimpse of the family vineyard, and it is a beautiful it's, place. It is a beautiful shot. Not... Absolutely gorgeous. And she says they call it Las Nubes, which means the clouds. So did you have an idea where the film was going from here? And I honestly didn't even catch that. You did so there really? You go. Oh my god! So yes, it all makes sense now. <laughs> Everything makes sense now. Aren't you glad there are two of us watching this movie so we don't miss any little details like right. that? Exactly. So he opens his case of chocolates. Now, I like, laughed at this scene. I mean, he's walking around in California in the summertime with a suitcase full of chocolate. That they would be like liquid, probably. Yeah, I would think so. So what does he do? There's, there's there's one that has like a foil wrapper around it. He takes it off and puts it on her finger like a wedding ring. Yeah, and then <laughs> now, and you can see in this shot as he is pulling the candy out of the box, he has a wedding he ring He has on. a wedding ring. I was like, why is he putting one on his finger? Yeah. But of course, when he puts it on, that wedding ring is gone. Yes, in so. the very next shot, his wedding ring is gone. Then someone starts shooting. Yeah. Now, I'm surprised he doesn't have some kind of a flashback, but they, you know, they do hit the ground. Not sure what, you know, someone's just shooting, not sure what happened. I'd say he does, he kind of does though, because when they hit the ground, he's like, stay low, stay low. Like he's yelling at her to stay to the ground. So that's his instinct kicking in at least. (laughs) So we meet the the trigger happy gunman and guess who it is? It's Victoria's father. Yeah, I saw that comment as soon as she stood up. Hi, dad. Yeah, hi, dad. (laughs) Hi, papa. I think she says. And she introduces Paul as her husband. And I love this because for a split second, he raises the gun up like he's going to shoot him. And then it cuts to the next scene, which is him storming through the house, yelling for his wife because he's not happy about he's not. this. She married a gringo. She married a gringo, yes. And this, and this, I got to say, for Giancarlo Giannini to be an Italian guy, he plays a Latino very well. He does. I'll give him that. <laughs> but yeah, he's the only one angry, though. Yeah, like everybody else is like, happy. cool, cool, welcome. You know, grandfather comes along. Grandpa, the, the patriarch of Don the family. Don Pedro. Don Pedro, yes, yes, what a name. Um, but, but, you know, Papa, the 
Alberto, wasn't that his name? Alberto. Alberto. No, Alfredo. Alfredo? Okay. He was so mad, he says that Grandpa will undo this marriage. He swears before God that this will not stand as long as he breathes. And Grandpa just walks up and shakes Paul's hand and says, Welcome to our happy family. And then he and then he immediately he's like, "Can I try your chocolate?" <laughs> yes. See, in my memory, I remembered him trying the chocolate first and then saying, "Welcome to our happy family." But oh, that, okay. that was just—I mean, I was probably like nine when I saw this movie for the first time. Well, I'm surprised you remembered that at all, then. I—I I have a memory for movies. Like, you do. I can, rem- I I can remember that. movies that I saw one time thirty years ago and still remember stuff for like. Movies I caught on TV that I don't even know what they were, I still vividly remember scenes from them. I don't just well, maybe because Coonskin burned itself into my my brain <laughs> at such a young age. You want to do an episode on that one? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, obviously you've shown me a couple scenes from yeah. it, I think, but yeah. Anyways, back to Walk in the Clouds. So <clears throat> we cut to Victoria, who's in the kitchen talking to her mom and grandma. And apparently her, her father wanted her to marry some Mexican aristocrat. Yeah, he and wants she, to keep the bloodlines going. Yeah. But apparently something. this isn't the first time he's disappointed. She's like, why is he always disappointed in me? Yeah. I'm like, what else? Is, I mean, I don't know what else she Yeah, they don't, they don't really go into that. That would have been interesting. Um, and she, I got to say, Victoria is working really hard to sell this fake marriage. You know, yeah. you know, she's working really hard to pretend that this guy is her beloved husband who was, you know, not going to leave her in the morning. <laughs> so at dinner that night, they're having some, some, I guess it's that course. And this is a very wealthy family. They've got, they have got people who work for them, like servants, I guess you'll yes. say. Um, very wealthy family and apparently from a very old bloodline because her father says that this recipe of this soup is, he says it has been in the family cookbook since before your declaration of independence. Yeah. So, yeah, we get it. We learn Paul uh, is from Illinois and grew up in an orphanage. Uh Uh-huh. And this makes the dad mad too because he can't trace his history. Right. He's like, Victoria knows her ancestry back 400 years. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... They ask how they met, and Paul says that they met at the USO, which is, um, I don't know if you know what the USO is, but it's like a, um, a kind of a, it's kind of like a, a entertainment venue for, for soldiers. Okay, that makes sense, because when I think of the USO, I always think of people performing at the USO. Right, so. yeah, that's what that is. Um, and I always <clears throat> love this part, I always thought this was funny, because Grandpa is putting a ton of salt on his food. And his wife kind of looks at him, and he's like, Pedro, and he, he just looks and says, My grandfather lived to be 106. And, or, no, he said, My father was 102, and my grandfather... No, I was right. Grandfather and great-grandfather, 102, 106, and they all put tons of salt on their food, apparently. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, a lot. Now, Papa is being a total dick. He is giving Paul shit for being an orphan. Like, he chose to be an orphan. Right. That's his fault. Yeah. Now, Paul excuses himself, and Victoria follows him. Yeah. And when he was a kid, he said he'd climb to the top of the orphanage and wish on every star in the sky for a family, basically, to have what you have in there. Yep. But Paul is still planning on leaving. Now, (laughs) I love this part I thought was funny, because Mama is making the bed for them. They're going to be sleeping. This would be weird. Wouldn't, Wouldn't you say, like, because they're... 
the mother and father are giving up their bed so Paul and Victoria can sleep in it. Yeah, I wouldn't want to go sleep in my parents' bed. Yeah, that'd be a little weird. And I definitely wouldn't want my mom saying, you guys need some room to maneuver. <laughs> Just what she says. Yeah, she did say that. And even when I was a kid, I'm like, I know what that means. <laughs> well, she even put a rose on the pillow for yeah, him. Yeah, um, And then later... You get a maid crying, actually. Yeah, yeah, the maid is crying. She's like, so happy. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Um, And then later, Papa is still going on. He's like, first he steals my daughter, now he steals my bed. And Mama is just trying to talk some sense into him, says they should go wish them a good night. Now, Paul is doing the honest thing. He is getting ready to sleep on the floor. Yes. I mean, this was 1945. I don't think, you know, if you think people are prudes now, that was even worse back then. But um, they start talking about his job again and how he can't leave. He says it's complicated, and she says it doesn't sound complicated. And he just blurts out, you're not married. <laughs> and then that, I guess that kind of hurt her feelings or something. So they're getting ready to sleep with Paul on the floor, and Papa knocks on the door, and they quickly try to like push the, the, the beds and stuff, right. or push the, the, the blankets Thanks. he was going to sleep on behind the bed, and they both hop in bed together. And... Uh, he, and then Papa notices the blankets on the floor. And Paul decides, yeah, I should probably actually sleep in the bed with Victoria in case he comes back. Right. But I was wondering if it was going to be that he noticed the blankets and knew he was trying to fake sleeping on the floor. Uh-huh. Or if he was going to just think they were already getting to it before he came and knocking and, and th- was making a mess of the bed. I think he saw those on the floor and immediately decided, you know, hey, maybe they're already unhappy that, that, that they're sleeping on the floor. I think he actually makes mention of that later. No, he does. I, I really, But I'm, when I first saw it, that was what I was thinking. Okay. Yes. Now, Paul is having another nightmare. This time in the, with, the, with the orphanage in the war zone. This time he sees a dead kid inside in a military uniform... With a teddy bear. Yep. And the teddy bear starts to bleed. Like out of a gunshot wound. The teddy bear just starts to bleed and then explodes. Mm. And Paul starts screaming for Victoria in the dream and then wakes up screaming. Yeah, that was strange to me. Like he's already dreaming, screaming for Victoria. Yeah, yeah. I was like, it, it, not, it probably hasn't been 24 hours yet. And he's already screaming for her. Um, and then there's a bell ringing outside. And Victoria knows that that alarm, that bell means that there is frost on the grapes. Yes. And that is a bad sign if for anyone who, who owns a vineyard, because that will kill your grapes, that will kill your crops. They're about to lose everything. They've got all these barrels of fire on the ground along these vineyard lanes or, or rows, I guess. And they take these big fans to keep the heat down to the ground. And this, I guess they were trying to do something visually neat with this sign or this scene. Uh, cause it, it, it looks like there's a bunch of like butterflies all around, all around the, uh, yeah. the, the like it here. reminded me of like if your child's going to dress up as a fairy or something. Yeah. Something you, like that. You put it on your back and you're just flapping them as they walk. So out. yeah, this scene is visually interesting, but goes on for a bit too long. Kind of like a lot of this movie. Yes. <laughs> Next morning, Paul is getting ready to leave and Victoria wishes him good luck. As he is leaving, grandpa is awake and meets him. As he's leaving, he takes Paul for a walk in the vineyard and he's complaining about how the doctors don't know anything about what a man needs. He tries another of Paul's chocolates and notices the foil wrapper looks just like Victoria's wedding ring, quote unquote. (laughs) So he takes him to this one bush, this one plant, and says that this is the root of the family vineyard dated back to the 1500s. It was brought over from Spain to Mexico, and then they brought a root of it from Mexico up to here. And 
that's it. I mean, it's pretty amazing to think that how long that, that one route, how far that one route has gone you know, right. halfway around the world. And so he's saying, this route is now part of your life. You are no longer an orphan. Yeah. So, of course, these are things Paul wants to hear. Paul says that he still wants to leave, but Grandpa says if he does, that Victoria's father will beat her over the head with him. Like, not, not physically, but... Yeah, because this is the most important day of the harvest of these grapes. Right. This day coming up. Mm-hmm. And that she would pay for his lack of commitments. Because it's hard, like you said, it's harvest day. It's the most important day of the year. So he convinces Paul to stay for the harvest. And he's like, you, you got to stay anyway. I ate all your chocolates. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. So on harvest day, Victoria's little brother comes home. Pedro, but he introduces himself as Pete. Pete. And Freddy Rodriguez, which was another person. He was in Planet Terror from Robert oh, Rodriguez. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. You're yeah. right. He was. Okay, so three people in this movie I've seen in other films. Um... And when, when, he's, when he introduces himself as Pete, Papa's not happy about that. No, he's like, no. Pete? Who is this Pete? I sent Pedro to school. I, I pay for Pedro to go to school. I think he said at Stanford or, or yeah, some, some, big, said, yeah. some big prestigious school. So this scene was way too long. <laughs> way, way we too get long. Victoria teaching Paul how to cut grapes from the vine and all these different shots of all these people cutting these bunches of grapes from the vine. So then Paul and Alberto start racing to see who can cut grapes the fastest. Yes. And now they have to stomp the grapes. And we get kind of a semi-musical number. For some reason, only married women can stomp the grapes because they say that to Victoria, you're a married woman now? Yes. So like, okay. Not a lot going on in these two scenes, except that Paul and Victoria almost kiss in the grape-smashing thing. But, like, they, they tried to... I don't know if they tried to make this scene sexy or what, because, like... Victoria starts like flinging her hair all everybody's covered in grapes and grape yeah. juice. Yes. And at one point they pull Paul into it and he they at one point he like body slams this one woman just like boom over his shoulder into the grapes. Yeah, I was like they made this scene almost like a raunchy comedy would do a girl's jello fight. Yeah. Like it was kind of strange to see this and all the stomping on the grapes just reaffirm my reason why I hate wine. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, "Yep." Do they still do that with modern wine? No I don't, I'd love, I'd love to know. I think, I think, I, I don't, I don't have a taste for wine, but I think the the science and the and the technique that goes into making it is pretty fascinating. Um, anyway, so real quick. Paul and Victoria run back inside to their bedroom. They have been turned on by the grapes. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sexy, sexy grapes. <laughs> but they start to make out, but Paul stops himself. He still feels loyal to his wife. Yes. This woman that he met for like a day and then married and then hasn't seen for four years. He still feels really loyal to her. So I guess kudos for him. That he and is... I, I feel bad for this bed because they got nice white sheets on him. And I'm like, you're covered in grapes. Get off the bed. <laughs> <laughs> now, now he says he wants Victoria more than anything, but he's not free and he won't hurt her that way. Yeah. He's known this woman for a total of two days. Not even two days, I don't think. Well, you know, I, and I didn't even say it, but when they first met on the train, the way they looked at each other, I was like, Oh, you've made this mistake with the first wife. You have this quick romantic spark. It did not work out. Why are you getting that look in your eye again? Yeah, yeah. Don't get that look in your eye. So he's known this woman for a total of two days. But next morning, Pedro, Pete, is going on about how they can modernize the family business with his dad. Like He's, yeah. this, he's obviously the nerdy, smart, modern son and trying to get his father who's stuck in the old ways to do things more 
more modernized, I guess. Um, and then Paul offers his own thoughts, and Alberto shuts him down immediately. Yeah, and also Paul was sleeping in the chair downstairs in the sink. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Papa, yeah, Papa knows something is wrong with Victoria and Paul's quote unquote marriage. He's like, you're sleeping on the chair, you're sleeping on the floor. Uh-huh. What's uh-huh. going on here? So next, Paul is, he's decided he's leaving, but Grandma is washing his clothes, and the locket with his wife's picture falls out of his pocket. Yeah, shakes that, yeah, but shakes out the jacket, and yeah, the locket mm-hmm. falls out. She, he immediately grabs that, at least. Right, right. Now, he sees Victoria have some kind of stomach pain and runs to help her, but she's like, no, we should stick to the plan, go back to your wife, you're not really my husband, leave me alone. And she goes running off, and he follows her. She somehow loses her, but then then Alberto's there who starts talking shit again. Like, he's saying, don't think just because you married my daughter that any of this belongs to you. Because, yeah, he ran into, like, a, it looks like a silo. Yeah, it's like all, I guess that's where they put the wine while it's, um, I don't know. But, yeah, he says, I don't believe you guys are really married. Yeah. So, Papa's a bit smarter than we think he is. <laughs> either, either that or he's the only one in this family that really pays attention to anything. Um, so, and and then Paul says that Alberto has shut Victoria out of his heart and that he would die for that kind of love. The kind of love that Victoria has for her family, for her father. She just wants his approval and appreciation and she can't get that from him. And Alberto says that everything he does is out of love for his family. And then Paul just says, well, you should let them know it. Yeah. So again, Paul is trying to leave and gets intercepted by Grandpa. He's picking up his wet clothes. Picking up his wet clothes. Yeah, he just picks his wet clothes up, puts it in his in his luggage, and is just walking away. But but then Grandpa intercepts him and they start drinking. Oh yeah. Grandpa's got his own personal brandy, brandy. I think, yes. that he made himself. They Man. start drinking, and Grandpa knows that Paul and Victoria have been fighting about something. So in the next scene, they are both pretty shit faced, and they have a full mariachi band with them, and. Yes. Paul is actually trying to sing a, a Spanish love song. And he's supposed to sing until she turns the light on. Yeah. So they're outside, actually outside under her, under her window, singing up to the window and waiting for her to turn the light on. If she turns the light on, she's been forgiven or and something. Like, you see her, she's looking out the window, mm-hmm. but she's not turning the light on. Right. He finally gives up and he starts to leave. He finally does leave. He gets all the way around, all, all the way out, and then she turns mm-hmm. on the light. Like it, it took you quite a long time to turn on that light if he made it that far. Right. So the next day, Paul is at the bus station while <clears throat> all of these families from vineyards, I guess, all across California are displaying their wines. You got people from Germany, people from Italy, you know, families from all over the place. Um,. And Victoria finds Paul and asks if he will toast with her. And I'm like, uh, you're pregnant, so you really shouldn't be drinking right now. But maybe this was back when the Surgeon General saying, didn't know about that. This is the 40s. Yeah. So you could do anything. Especially wine. They probably mm-hmm. thought it was good for the baby. Yeah, maybe. Now, suddenly Victoria's father is very chummy. He's like introducing Paul to the priest as his new son-in-law. Well, in that last scene when he was doing the song, he is standing with his wife and he's like, you know what, I do think he might actually love Victoria. Okay. So he started to come around in that scene right there. Yeah. yeah. But again, this hasn't been 48 hours yet. No. (laughs) It hasn't been enough to, yeah, it hasn't been 48 hours. So he says they're going to have an official wedding ceremony for Paul and Victoria. Paul gives Victoria one of his medals 
that he got for courage under fire, and they kiss again. Tell us for the baby. Yeah, for the baby. Now, but 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 at the same time, they're saying we can't do this. So Victoria chooses now of all times to tell her father the truth, and Paul just watches from a distance. And Papa is not happy because he just made this big announcement to all of these people, inviting all these people yes. to a wedding that he just found out is not happening. Paul trying to get a ride to San Francisco. Thumbing a ride back to San Francisco. Some guy picks him up and asks him what he's doing. And Paul says he went for a walk. Walk in the clouds. A walk in the clouds. Yes, I did have This that. is where you'd put the Peter Griffin, oh, oh, he said it, meme. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so... We get a quick shot of back at the vineyard. Victoria's dad is getting drunk. Yeah. Paul is asleep in the truck and has another nightmare. But this, or has another dream. But this time, he and Victoria are together and have a son. Um, yes. Next morning, he's back in Frisco. Comes home to find his wife is cheating with another man, and it's the guy from the the speech course or whatever i forget the guy's name i don't either and you know i don't know that i actually put that together i didn't the i know i didn't the first time i saw it but then yeah this most recent time i was like oh that's who she's cheating with so i guess she got her um she got her records for free probably yes yeah, <laughs> probably so yeah because but the then, letters have finally been opened yeah they have she, finally she, read she, them. she started reading all of them and that's when she realized they were not right for each other because she doesn't want the little white house with the, the little house with the white picket fence two kids and a dog she doesn't want all of that right like he wants like he sent her in the letters so the good thing is she already got an annulment yeah she already got an annulment because they were only married for probably a day before they left yeah just, he ne- left. just needs him to sign and she's like, are you going to be okay? Are you going to be okay? And he, he's, he's excited. He's happy. He is he's, happy as can be. You know, he, he's running down the street. <laughs> you know, doing that Keanu Reeves laugh that he does. Um, At least he didn't just go, oh, you're so cold. I love how he says it's cold. <laughs> so, or, he, like, or he could have just gone, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Paul goes back to the vineyard really quickly. He yes. finds Victoria's dad absolutely shit-faced. So we've already seen her, her dad drinking one time, but it's been another day since then, I think. Oh, has it? I think it has. Well, so, I think he drank so much, he's passed out drunk because he's like at a little bench. Out yeah, he's the, like sitting out in the woods, you know, yeah. on, on the edge of his, of his vineyard. Yes. So he tells Paul to stay away from her, obviously. He's, and he has a lit lantern, like a kerosene lantern or an oil lantern, and swings it at him. Like, he's, he's drunk. He's not thinking very clearly. No. Swings it at him, and it breaks and starts a fire that spreads across the vineyard. And he swings it at him because he's, he's yelling for his gun. Yeah, someone he's, bring he's me saying, my someone gun. bring me my gun. Because Paul's doing the respectable thing and asking, you know, for her hand in marriage. Mm-hmm. But yes, he swings it, set the whole thing on fire. I mean, I can I can understand why the father would not be very no. open to yeah, that no, idea no. after all this bullshit. So... Now, this is California. Fire spreads really quickly. Like, I remember being on vacation one time in California on the 4th of July, and I was just gutted because we couldn't get fireworks because fireworks were illegal because of how dry everything was Mm. there. So within a matter of minutes, this fire is spreading. And the family comes out and tries to fight it, and they can't. Like, even even Pete or Pedro gets, you know, he, he gets burned pretty badly. And the family, all they can do is sit there and watch as the whole hillside or all the hillsides with all of their wine and uh, or grapes on it goes up in smoke. So the next morning, they're all just kind of sitting around going, well, shit, what do we do now? And I did have to make a note that I was like, 
for a California fire that burned that burned out pretty quick. To yeah, all get to, yeah, it to be did. Done I mean, by the next morning. Yeah, nowadays, geez, they go for once. They go for months, don't they? Yes. The next morning, they're all sooty and messy, and Paul goes to the root that Grandpa showed him earlier, and he pulls the whole thing Bang. out of the ground and takes it to Alberto. Now Alberto just. It's charred on the outside, but he cuts part of it away with his knife and sees that it is still alive on the inside. Yeah, because he had done that with the grapes earlier. I think with the frost, he cut one. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, it's still good. We can still save him. We right. can still save him. Right. So, yeah, he was doing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he says that Paul is now bound to this land and family now. Yes, they can replant the vineyard, and he gives a small piece to Paul to represent his family. And Paul puts the fake ring back on Victoria's <laughs> finger. Family's happy. Uh, he's really part of the family. They yeah. kiss. And, and the we, camera pans back, back, and magically it goes from being all charred and burnt up to being green. And I'm wondering how long that took. How many years do you think that <laughs> took? But um, and maybe they had a l- enough money and savings to uh, to live for a while. So, um, yeah, that was A Walk in the Cloud. That was probably... I mean, that was the first Keanu Reeves movie I ever saw and probably the first like love story I ever saw. And I remember watching it as a kid and going, Oh, that was pretty cool. I like that. And I still like certain aspects of it. Like I said, I like the aesthetic of it cause it's got some beautiful scenery. I love old cars. And anytime there's one of these movies, there's a lot of old cars in it. Um, I do like some of the men's fashion from the forties. Like guys really knew how to dress back then. Yes. I, I wish that people still like to dress like that nowadays. <laughs> you know, no man buns and, and five right, o'clock no, shadows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So overall, this movie's not terrible. I do think it's a bit of a slog to it, get through. It is a slog. There are some scenes that go way too long. I think I realized that just a straight up romance movie is not my taste. Mm-hmm. I like to have some comedy thrown in there. Well, that uh, that is a great segue into our coming episode segment next week. What are we talking about, Josh? Valentine's Day, Adam. We're getting knocked up together. Oh, fuck! <laughs> Is Judd Apatow at least going to be there? We're yeah. We're going to have a Judd Apatow three-way? Yeah. <laughs> From here for the rest of the month. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Judd Apatow will be involved. That's right. Well, I guess I guess you can say Judd Apatow... Judd, Judd Apatow knows how to make a good romantic comedy. I think so. I think so, too, from what I've seen so far. But that wraps up this episode of Cinematic Blind Spots. I'm Adam. And I'm Josh. And as always, remember, whether you are in your car or in your theater, always check your blind spots. You guys take care. We'll see you next time.